Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. Father, I especially thank you for the visitors that are here today. I thank you for the young man who gave his heart to you this morning. I thank you for those that during this service will hear your word, believe in your son, and they will embrace new life in Jesus Christ because that's the most important thing, Father. We also pray if anyone came in here depressed, oppressed, maybe lonely, maybe feeling empty, maybe being sick in their body, maybe facing a financial dilemma that, or obstacle that seems insurmountable. Father, we pray that you would give them the faith to get through it because they will with you. All things are possible with you. Father, we pray that uh, you would speak your word to your people today. Speak through me. Speak directly to hearts. Talk to them by the power of your Holy Spirit. I'll do my best to get out of the way and let you do what you do, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be talking about one of the miracles, uh, one of the signs from the book of John. But actually, this is the only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. It's the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus fed not 5,000 men, but 5,000 men, women, and children. And uh, I talked to you earlier about testing God. Let's look at John chapter 6. Now, I'm going to pull different scriptures from this same passage, which is all four Gospels, just to, to make a few points to you. The first is from John chapter 6. It says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that all these people can eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he was going to do. So Jesus, before anything gets started, he asks Philip, who, by the way, was from this area, Bethsaida. Philip, this was his hometown. He's like, Philip, where can we buy enough Big Macs to feed 20,000, possibly 20,000 people? If there's 5,000 men and they're Jewish, you know there's a lot of kids. Amen. I'm half Jewish, I can say that. And I happen to have six kids. So if, if it was 5,000 of me, that would be eight of like 40,000 people. But let's just say there were 15 or 20,000 people there. He said, where are we going to buy enough bread? But he said it to test them. So we talked about where we test God with our giving. Here God is testing us, and testing him for our provision. But it says that Jesus said he knew himself what he would do. Throughout the book of John, you'll see where Jesus would do things, but it says he knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. In John chapter 13, he washed the disciples' feet, and they were like, how could you wash our feet? He did it because he knew where he was from, and he knew where he was going. He was going to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and he knew he would be leaving the earth, and he was showing them, this is how you should treat one another in my absence. So, how should you treat the other people in church? Be willing to wash their feet. I think we should have a whole feet washing service. But you know, they always have like the pastor wash everybody's feet. How about you wash each other's feet? And I watch. But that's how we should be treating one another. A test. Yes, it was a test. 
but he knew what he was going to do. And then look at Luke chapter 9, the same passage. Now, here it gives you a little bit of the setting. What happened was Jesus has just sent out his disciples. They had went on a missions trip to different towns. They were preaching the word. They were laying hands on the sick. They were going into different places, preaching the gospel. They came back. And Jesus, of course, as always, is surrounded by multitudes. Amen? And it says he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, to the multitudes, and he healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, now send everybody away. Now, I talked to you over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the word of God. We've been talking about healing and getting over things and have healing in our hearts from offense. Because you know offense is, is the scandal of the body of Christ. And it would be easy now to go into some new message about thankfulness, or, which we are going to talk a little bit about. But the Lord said to me, wait a second, look how I do it. I spoke to him about the kingdom, so I taught. Then we had healing. But look at the disciples. They're like, okay, when it comes to provision, send everybody away. When it comes to something that's extremely important, these people have been with us for days. They're tired. They need to eat. How many of you know you need food to survive? How many of you need money to pay your bills? How many of you need a roof over your head? It's just simply religious to act like money isn't a matter to God and to people. Jesus said to them, no, don't send them away for provision. You give them something to eat. And that's what God said to me. He said, oh, you're gonna, it's okay to teach. It's okay to talk about healing and all that nice stuff and, and forgiveness. And we can pray for people. But when it comes time to talk about provision, don't do it. And in many churches, they don't do it. But we're grace in your face, church. And I really don't care if you like it or not. Because it's for your own good and for my own good. Because, listen to me, I, I wanna, we counsel a lot of people. As a matter of fact, honey, you're counseling way too many people. I mean, every week I'm like, who's in your psychiatrist's couch today? She's got the glasses on. They sit down. I'm like, what's going on here? But you counsel people, and 99.9% .9 of the problem usually starts with finances. But then when you want to talk about it at church, everybody's like, hold on to your wallet. Here they go. It's amazing, isn't it? It's so hypocritical not to talk about what Jesus talked about. Their attitude was like, no, wait, we can talk about healing. We can everything. But when it comes to provision, send them away. No, we're not going to send them away. We're going to teach the word. Because listen, God has called everybody here to something fantastic. Everybody here has a calling on their life. Everybody here is unique. Look around. It's very unique around here. Take a look. I mean, move your head like sort of like the exorcist girl. Turn it around. Look around for a second. Not exactly like the exorcist girl, but I mean, just look around. What do you see? You will see a multicolored, diverse church of people with unique gifts. Everybody here has a calling. Amen. I want mine to be on the worship team, but it just, it, it's not working. 
But everybody here has a unique calling, and God has given you a vision. But you can't carry out a vision without provision. Amen? So I want to ask you a question. Do you pass the provision test? Do you pass the provision test? It says that Jesus said this to test them. Do you pass the provision test? Let's try right now. Everybody get a pen and paper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I always wanted to give a test. I never took a test in my life. <laughs> I dropped out of high school, so I actually took one or two. <laughs> but um, the first thing that Jesus tells them is to see what you have. So they have a problem. They got 15,000 hungry people. And uh, they want to send them away. But Jesus says, wait, I got a test for you. See what you have. See what you have. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. You know, we'll talk about finances for a little bit. For, for a moment. How many of you don't even want to look at your bank account? You're just like, <laughs> like you don't even want to know what's in there. <laughs> how, or, or, or when you get that paycheck, you don't want to know how much they took. Because somebody's taking something out of there. But listen, we have to be honest and really evaluate our situation before we can take any steps further. We have to be really honest and evaluate our situation. I remember when I first heard this a message about giving to God and tithing and everything, I was like, I don't want to know how much I make right now because 10% of that might be a big amount. But actually at the time, I was only making 300 a week. Yeah, it was rough days back then. But the good news is she was making 800 a week. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, guys, how many of you guys here are single? Raise your hand. I just wanted all the ladies to know who the single guys are. Okay. Stand up, single guys, for a moment. Every, girls? Oh, we got, oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, don't be shy. It's like, they're like, I don't know. Should I stand up? Ladies, take notes. Take notes. I told you, ladies, I'm calling them in for you. Listen, if you're going to meet somebody, meet them in church. Praise God. <laughs> and if they're a mess, we'll get them cleaned up. Don't worry. <laughs> Every one of those guys is not coming back next week. <laughs> Girls were like taking pictures with their iPhones in the back. Yeah. <laughs> this is the place. I totally lost my train of thought. Now. Go and see what you have. See what you have. First of all, you don't know what to give if you don't know what you have. And you don't know what you need if you don't know what you have. How many of you, when you get bills, you just put them aside because you don't even want to read them? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, don't lie. How many of you throw them somewhere and never see them again? Yeah. <laughs> My new thing now is I attack bills. When the bill comes in, I go, I'm paying this bill. I don't want to see it anymore. Just pay it and then move on. Moves that burden. Oh, Lord Jesus. Because once I start looking through those bills, I'm like, Leisha, 
What? <laughs> What's this? <laughs> See what you have. So they went and they saw what they had. They had five loaves and two fish. Listen, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you have. And you know, he's not just talking about money here. He's talking about your gifts. How many of you have a gift to give to God? Proverbs says that a man's gift makes room for him, brings him before great men. You want to expand your life? Use your gift for God's kingdom. So many Christians are sitting on dormant gifts. Yeah, you're sitting on them. That's right. That's where they are. You're sitting on them. (laughs) Get up and use the gift that God has given you. Amen? Listen. God can take what you have and do something great with it. So the first thing is you need to see what you have. Number two is you need to get into position. Mark 6, 39. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups in the green grass, and they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when you look at this and you see the word ranks, you think of it almost like an army. Well, how many of you are in God's army? We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. I know there's a song like that somewhere. I don't know. Onward, Christian soldiers. You know, something where you're marching like this. Something we'll never do on this worship team. But anyway, we're all soldiers, right? I remember, Pastor John, you remember when I first got saved and we would talk about why church was important. And you would say, listen, you need to come every week and be recharged because you're a soldier, you know, and you're at war during the, how many of you were at war during the week? How many of you were like really at war during the week? How many of you were to like World War III during the week? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> Sunday's great, then you got to wake up Monday. It's like you're marching off to war. Amen? So you need to come and get strengthened. Listen, if you're coming to church and you're not getting strengthened, you might think about what you're doing. You're here to get strengthened and encouraged by worship, by the word, by prayer, by your brothers and sisters. We're to stir one another on to good works. Listen to me. We're here to get strengthened. So it's like they sat down in ranks. But I said, wait a minute, let me look at this. What do you mean sit down in groups and then sit down in ranks? I got to tell you, there's sometimes you study words and you're like, why? Why use that word? The word groups there is a Greek word, symposium, which is where the word symposium comes from. Everybody knows what a symposium is? I don't, so maybe you can tell me. Maybe the Nyes can tell you. It's something they do, like the Philharmonic does or something. We're having a symposium. But listen, the word, you know what the word symposium really means? Don't get mad at me. It means drinking party. The people that are laughing have them all the time. (laughs) No. It really means drinking party. That's what the word means. Look it up. Now, was he saying that it was a drinking party? No. But what he was saying is, is they were in a place of celebration. Look at some of the other translations of the scripture. I love it. Look, Look at some of the other ones. And soon colorful groups of 50... Look around you. Do you see some colorful people? No, really, take a look around you. It's okay. This is a colorful place, isn't it? 
I mean, this is a multicolored, multicultural church. This is the way we want to keep it. Amen? This is how the kingdom of God's going to be, a multicolored group. We got black, we got white, we got red, we got green, we got Jamaican, we got every color. Jamaican gets their own place. You know why? Because they make jerk chicken, and nobody else can make that jerk chicken. I love it. Look at the next translation. These are different translations. The crowd resembled an orderly arrangement of colorful garden plots. These are actual translations of the Bible. I didn't make this stuff up. I mean, the first thing I thought, it's like a cemetery, or what is it? Garden. Oh, it's a garden, and everybody's a little flower. Oh, look at the next translation. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers. Look at the person next to you say, you're just a wildflower. <laughs> what is this, Woodstock? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I'm surprised there weren't some bands there. I mean, it was there might have been. The point being, it's like, when God arranges something, when he puts something into place, it's to, for enjoyment as well. Amen. Enjoyment. But here's the thing. Here's what the picture is that he's giving us here is, and it's a picture of the church. So you have Jesus, you have disciples, you have people. Okay? And let me tell you something. When you get a church full of people, you got some wild flowers in there. Oh, don't, don't look at me like that. You know. You know who you are. Come on. You come up here and shake sometimes and rattle and roll. Come on. There's not some wildflowers in this church? Oh, don't pretend. I want the visitors to understand. We got some wildflowers here. But to be in on it. See, they were in on it. See, he put them in groups so they would be in on it. Listen, listen. There's people that are outside looking in. And then there are people who are inside being part of the blessing. It's that simple. I'm going to say something, and I don't care if you get mad. As a matter of fact, get mad for all I care. I said that in two ways, but I meant the same thing. The people that stay in church and invest their gift, whether it be money, talent, time, whatever, into God's house, are the people that are in the groups of 150 that are getting blessed to overflow, it's coming out of nowhere because they're in the flow of what God is doing. If you're not in the flow of what God's doing, don't expect his blessing to pour out in your lap and that you can't contain it because it's not his. I, I mean, this is just the way it is. But so many people, they want what God has, but they don't want to be part of what God is doing. God has called you to something. And it works through his house, whether it's Grace Church or Mace Church or Trace Church. I don't care what church it is, but there is a place for you. There is a body for you. There is a wildflower place for you to be and for you to serve and for you to give. And when you do, you'll be part of the distribution blessing that he's pouring out. It's that simple. Listen. It's just the way it is in the kingdom of God. People are like on the outside where they come in and they just put their feet in the water and they want to get splashed. They want to overflow, but they don't want to jump in. God's looking for people that are going to be in what he is doing. 
See, because he gives you a vision and then he makes provision for the vision. Amen. Listen, this building just didn't appear out of nowhere. August 27th, we started this church in a hotel room, the Ramada Inn by Walmart. You know that Ramada Inn? That Ramada Inn has changed restaurants and ownership so many times. It's amazing. Every time I go there, is that really the place? Yes, that was the place. God gave us a vision, and now he is making provision. And guess what? He's given us more vision, and we need more provision. You know what? The lady over here with the blue building over here just called us up a couple weeks ago and said, I want to sell it to you. All right? And guess what? We need it. So she said she wanted to sell it to us, and, you know, and I, I, I got to tell you, for the longest time, I was like, could you sell us the building? Could you sell us the building? I stopped calling her. You want something? Stop asking for something with people in the world, I'll tell you. Leave them alone. Now she calls me every other day. And I'm like, tell her I'll call her back. I'm busy. <laughs> you can ask my administrator. I'm like, nah, let her marinate a little bit. <laughs> We put a little marinade in there. Let's shake her up a little bit. Let it soak in. And you know what? God's going to give it to us. I'm not even worried about it. So we needed money, you know, and the, and, and the, bank, the bank called me up and said, well, actually, the bank sent us, you know, we have a mortgage on our building. How many of you have a mortgage, you know? What would you do if your next statement came and it said, you know, say your mortgage was $400,000? You know how the bottom when it says, this is the least amount you have to pay today? How many of you go right to that? Like, you don't even, okay. You know what ours said? It had like six or seven digits. I was like, Alana was like, piss at you. I was like, what? I looked at it, I was like, ah. So I called up the bank. And they were like, oh, yeah, your mortgage is due, but we'll give you another more. Are you kidding? You're like our best customer. I go, Really? He goes, yeah, people are reneging all the time and not paying their mortgages. We love you guys. I go, well, we want that building over there. He goes, fine, whatever you want. No, I'm, not, I'm serious. And then the guy wouldn't leave the church. We tried to kick the guy out of the church. You saw him, huh, when you came? He keeps coming back. I'm like, we're busy, okay? We're busy. Leave a couple million at the door. Get out of here. We're doing things here. Listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. When you get into the flow of what God is doing, he will make provision for the vision. You don't have to worry about it. In Psalm 133, it says that when you're in unity, it, it talks about the dew that comes from Mount Hermon over to Mount Zion. In other words, God makes his blessing go where he wants it to go, okay? So when you're doing what God has called you to do, when you're in it to win it, when you're in the flow of what he's doing, he, it says in Psalm 133 that he commands the blessing. Commands it. Why are you fighting his command? If God wants to bless you, let him bless you. you. Jeez, what is the matter with us? This is what he wants to do. This is what he's in the business of doing, and we're running from it. It's like he opens the window of heaven, and we run. No! Listen, he wants to pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Why? Not for you. For everybody around you, so they know who he came from. Amen? Listen to me. Use what you have. Figure out what you have, okay? Get yourself in position, 
and then give it to Jesus, Matthew 14, 18. Give it to him. It's that simple. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Because he will take your little. And when the little that's in your hands is little, but when it's in his hands, it's, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Look out. He took those five tuna fish sandwiches. He started breaking them. And they came with their baskets. And they came up to him, and he broke it, and they, he filled it, break, 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 break. His hands were like this. It's like that movie Bruce Almighty when they speed it up. Jesus' hands are breaking. Everybody comes up with the basket. Go to the group of 50. Hurry up. Oh, oy vey. Get it around there. Go back. Fill the basket. Being part of it. Once you put it into his hands, he multiplies it. I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade, people. Okay? I didn't even wait till I was 16. <laughs> I was out. Before you know it, I was on drugs. I was a suicidal mess. I came to Jesus, and I needed a job. How many of you know that you need a job? How many of you in your 20s need a job? Okay, amen. <laughs> we'll get you one. Don't worry. <laughs> you know how many people get jobs from other people in this church? I can't even tell you. We're like, you know, Pastor Kev got a job in solar now. Everybody works in solar. I'm like, you work in solar too? You work in solar? You work in solar? You work in solar? 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 solar! It spreads through the church like a wildfire, whatever it is. The new career of the week. <laughs> but it's amazing because that's how God does it. He, he works it like that. So I went to Wall Street, and I, I, I had nothing. But nothing in my hands is nothing. But in his hands, it's something. I gave it to him. I gave it to him. And he went, multiply, 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 and blessed it back to me. Because when you bring it to him and put it in his hands, the little that was in your hands becomes a lot in his hands. Amen? When you let go of the little that's in your hands, he'll let go of the a lot that's in his hands. Come on, let me tell you something, young men, you young single men especially. No girls marrying you unless you got a decent job. <laughs> or they shouldn't. Some of you are here like, I did, I married, yeah, I did. I was thinking about it. <laughs> Stop thinking about it. You send them to us. We'll take care of them first. We'll take care of them. Oh, yeah. See, God, listen. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would have given it to God a lot earlier. Because I missed out on so many things because I didn't give it to him. But I'm telling you, it's never too late. This church was started when I was 40 years young. You're like, what? That was only like two years ago, right, Pastor Joe? I know, I know. <laughs> Point being, when you give it to him, you're in good hands with Jesus. Oh, that's a new one. We're going to say that from now on. You're in good hands with Jesus. You're in good hands with Jesus. Number four, thank him for what he's about to do. Thank him for what he's about to do. It's easy to say thank you after you've gotten something. There's no faith in that. We're supposed to give thanks in everything, aren't we? Giving thanks for what he's going to do. Now that's faith. And without that, you can't please God. I said without that, you can't please God. Not my words, his. 
So don't get mad at me. Because I'm not mad. Don't get mad at me. Those are his words. Thank him for what he's going to do in your life. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to open a door that nobody else could open for me. How many of you had a door open for you in your financial life or your business life that should never have been open for you? That if they looked who was on the other side of the door, they would have never opened it. Oh, Lord, are you kidding me? Some of us, they should have never opened the door. (laughs) But you know who opened that door? God opened that door for you. He opens doors nobody else can open, and he shuts doors that need to be shut. How many of you have ever got a door shut on you and you're glad? You almost married that guy. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. You couldn't shut the door. You tried. Oh, she tried to shut the door. She slammed the door. She kicked the door. Locked the door. And I just would go, knock, knock. It's me again. <laughs> How many of you did your wife just try everything to keep you out? Come on. What's with the alligator arm? <laughs> I, Joe, I'll just let you see it, Pastor Joe. I'm in church. I don't want to lie, but I don't want anybody else to know. <laughs> How many of you sh- should have shut the door on your wife? Uh, raise your hand. <laughs> That's because your wife isn't here. You raise your hand. <laughs> she would never do that if she was here. Thank him for an advance. Matthew 14. He said he took the loaves and the fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave to disciples and the disciples gave to everybody else. He looked to heaven and he blessed. That word blessed there is the word eulogeo. It's where you get the word eulogy from. It's made up of two words, E-U, which means prosperous, well-off, good, that's the gospel is what, you and Gelon. This is the word for blessed, which means, where they get the word Eucharist, which means good, grace. But this is the word eulogeo, which is made up of two words, E-U, which is good, prosperous, well-off, and logeo, which is from the word logos, which is the message or the word. So he spoke, he, he took what they had, and he spoke a good word over it. He spoke a good word of it. You know, sometimes I hate how we say grace as Christians, you know. Dear Lord, bless this food to our body. What the heck does that mean? I really don't know what that means. Bless this food to our body. I've been saying bless my body to this food. But really what we're supposed to be doing is saying thank you, God, for what we have. Thank you for the blessings you poured out upon us. Thank you, God, that we have something to eat today. Because if you can't thank him for what you have, you'll never be able to thank him for what he's about to do. If you can't thank him for what you have already, you'll never be able to thank him for what he's about to do. How many of you just need to be a little more thankful for what you have right now? Amen. Come on, let's face it, we're all blessed. You know, every one of us here could lose five or ten pounds. (laughs) Well, not everyone. But we could all fast for a week here and be fine. Everybody say amen. It's the truth. I remember in the 70s, everybody was so skinny. Why? There wasn't much food. There just wasn't, you know? 
Fadal's you couldn't eat for three years. Right now you can go to an all-you-can-eat place and die there. <laughs> you can go there in the morning, pay your $5, at lunchtime go to the bathroom, not come out for a while, and then go out, you eat lunch, go back in there, come back for dinner later, go in there, open the tile in the ceiling, climb in there, come out the next morning and eat some more. You could just, some of you have done this. Somebody, how many of you have spent more than one meal in an all-you-can-eat place? Come on now, be honest. You're not going to tell the truth. Oh, we got one. You went in there, not for breakfast. You went around 10, 1030, right? You had the eggs and everything. By noon, you had the tuna fish sandwich and the salad. All for $5, man. We, we can all live here. We're doing fine. This word blessed, the eulogy... Has anybody here ever done a eulogy at a funeral? Raise your hand really high if you have. Wow. Did you say anything mean about the person that died? Never. Well, I've actually seen it done, but have you? Did you say anything mean about the person? All of a sudden, the person dies, and they're like an angel. You know what I mean? I remember being at this funeral where I knew the guy was like an abusive, he was like an abuser, he was like, he was like one of the most rotten people on earth. And forget, the, you know, the, whoever the religious guy was, says, does anybody want to say anything about him? And I'm sitting there waiting. And this guy that I know perfectly well gets up and starts saying all this nice stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? None of that is true. But that's the kind of blessing we're supposed to speak over what we have, even if it's not true. blessed to have a wife that likes to shop. I'm so blessed. <laughs> I'm so blessed to have a husband that just wants to watch football all day and night. And day and night. I'm so <laughs> That's a eulogy. Maybe you don't have a lot of food or maybe, you know, you're, you have a lot of, you know, I'm blessed that I only have a few bills that I can't pay. <laughs> but I'm blessed because I know God's going to take care of it. Because it's in his hands now, and I trust him. And with faith, I can move a mountain. Come on. That's where it should go. Real simple. I've, to I've told you about this before. My famous saying is, everything makes me prosperous. I have a book coming out in about a month right now. It's really coming out this month. I've changed the name a few times. But it was going to be called Everything Makes Me Prosperous. The guy that wrote, wrote it with me told me that that's what I should call it. But I changed because you know what? Because church people are going to get all weird about it. And I want people to read this book and get encouraged and get saved. So I didn't do that. Um, but years ago when we were going through serious financial difficulty, anybody ever been there? And I was, I was you know, I'm half Jewish, so I complain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> half, yeah, just half. The other half's Italian, so I complain a lot, okay? <laughs> I was like, Lisa, everything's making me crazy. I'm going to go crazy. That was my famous thing that I would say. I'm going crazy. Everything makes me crazy. I'm going nuts. Everything makes me nuts. And one day she goes, you want me to get into agreement with that? <laughs> so I tell you, I had this vision after she said that, of me walking around dribbling, like from my mouth, dressed in like old pajamas, 
talking to myself and her at the mall laughing all the way there. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the vision I got. Everybody gets their own visions. This is the vision I had. Like, that's what I saw. Like, if I let her get an agreement, I'm going to go crazy. And then well, she's going to be going to the mall shop and I'll just be like dribbling. <laughs> I'm going to the mall, honey, for the fourth time this week. <laughs> like, this is what I saw. I'm not kidding. I am really serious. So I was like, no, I don't want you to get into agreement with that. But you know what? Here's what I would like you to get into agreement with, that I would prosper in my job, that I would prosper in my business, that I would prosper right now because it was really bad. So I said, you know what, honey? From now on, nobody makes me crazy. Nothing's make me crazy. Everybody doesn't make me crazy. Everybody and everything makes me prosperous, and you can get into agreement with that. So then, what did I say all the time, Mon? And I still do. Something happens at church. Something like it's making me prosperous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you say it, and then you start to laugh about it, and then you start to believe it. Because really, do all things really work? To, I mean, we did sing, sing that, right? All things work together for my God. Do they really? Only if you believe they do. Only if you think that way. Faith is actually a decision to trust and believe God. So when you speak well over something, you're doing it by faith. Like, I believe God's going to heal this marriage. I believe God's going to bless me on this job. I believe God's going to bring my teen back to Jesus. I believe that I'm going to walk and talk in this ministry that I'm about to do and that he's going to make all the provision I need. See, you've got to make a decision at some point in your life. How are you going to think? How are you going to believe? How are you going to speak? How are you going to act? Say a eulogy over everything. Think in a higher way. How many of you play basketball? I play basketball like three times a week. I know, I know. You're thinking he's so old, how could he do that? <laughs> I play basketball and, and I, I, I'm bad on the court. There's a few people here that could tell you that. I do hurt people on the basketball court. I am somewhat aggressive, just somewhat. We pray every morning before I go to play basketball. I pray, Lord, please keep me healthy. Please keep me protected. My wife prays, Lord, please don't let him hurt anybody today, please. I'm serious. Like, please don't hurt anybody today, honey. And uh, we have this thing. So how many of you understand basketball a little bit, you know? How many of you ever gone up for a rebound, ripped down a rebound? Come on. I see Donna's raising her hand. She plays a little basketball. All right. So you're, like, you're in a group of people and the ball comes off the rim and you jump up and you rip it down. Well, that's how I do it. Anyway, and I, I scowl. Ha! And here's what we do. We say, get away from me, little people. No matter how big or small they are, when I rip their rebound, I'm like, get away from me, little people. Come on, what are you trying to do, little people? And the Lord said to me, listen, you could be a little people or you could be above the rim. Which one you want to be? You want to think little or you want to think where he is? See, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Where are your thoughts? And finally, number five, get your baskets ready. That's the worship team to come up. Get your baskets ready. Each disciple, each Jewish guy had a wicker basket. Oh, Lord. 
you'd never catch me with a wicker basket in my hand. Like even for a minute, they'd be like, no, I'm not touching a wicker basket. But they had wicker baskets where they carried their provision, they carried their stuff. And those baskets they went to Jesus with, he filled them up, they brought. See, they became part of what he was doing. They became part of his distribution. They were filled up. They emptied it to those people. Then they came back and they got filled up again. Are you ready to be a distributor for God? He wants to pour out a blessing that you can't contain so you can bless others. He's looking to fill you up, not to fill you up, but so that you're out of your overflow, you can fill others. But in the end, it says that their baskets were full. In the end, it says their baskets were full. See, there was 12 baskets left over, one for each of the ones that had been distributing. They all ate and were filled. How many of you eat way too much for Thanksgiving? How many of you fall into a turkey coma on Thanksgiving? Be honest. Raise those hands. Come on. I, I, I do. It'll be like the second half of the Dallas game that they're losing. And um, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> That's the kind of fool they're talking about there. The kind of fool that is from your sister-in-law's sweet potatoes with marshmallows on it. Oh, that's just disgusting. Do you have a sister-in-law that gives you all kinds of food? My wife's sister and her mother, they literally have shovels in their hands. And they just stand by me. Did you have some of this? Slap. Did you have some of that? Slap. Here, have some of this. Slap, 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 slap. They give me those yams with marshmallows on it. It is absolutely foul. How many of you make that? Yeah, crazy, sick people. <laughs> Taking a perfectly good potato and ruining it. Why don't you just get french fries and put whipped cream on top? It's the same thing. If you're going to give me a pumpkin pie with some white stuff on it, I'll eat it. Don't give me a potato with mushy white stuff on it. I don't want it. So they come to me, they say, hey, hey, John, you have this? Yes, man. Leave me alone. I'm full. Even if I'm not full, I'm full. I ate something called stuffing, okay? You get it? That's the kind of full that's talked about here. Where you're so full, were you ever so full that you were like, give it to somebody else? Even like your favorite food? See, I love steak. That's my favorite food. I can eat a big steak. But if I'm full, I don't want no more steak. Give it to somebody else. Or put it in the fridge. I'll eat it tomorrow. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you get to the point where you're so overflowing that, that you want to give it to somebody else. That's the kind of full God has for us. That's it. Ephesians 3, 19 and 20 says this. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We're not talking about stuffing here. We're talking about love and peace and joy and forgiveness and grace. 
I'm going to tell you something. If you don't understand earthly being full, you'll never understand heavenly being full. If you're stingy with what you have physically, you'll be stingy with what you have spiritually. God wants to fill you up with peace and joy so it's just overflowing. That when you walk in the room, people don't leave. That wherever you go, people want to be around you because you're exuding peace and joy and love. You're attracting people because of what's overflowing in your life. Because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you could ask or think. That's what he did when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. That is above anything that I thought a God could do. To give up his only son to die for a bunch of people like us, that's exceedingly abundantly more than anybody would ever do. Would you give up your child for one person that you loved? That would be pretty hard. My older brother did something that I thought was exceedingly above. His good friend, wasn't even his best friend, his second kidney went bad, so he was going to die. My brother went on an operating table and gave him his kidney. My older brother did that. And I thought to myself, would I do that? Could I do that? Would I be willing to give my kidney to a person who is a friend, but not my brother, not my... But he did it. And we talked about it, and we both said, yeah, but that's nothing compared to giving your son to die on a cross for a bunch of people that would just as soon stone him. Amen? Final scripture I want you to look at is from, uh, just put it up. God will generously provide all the love you need, all the peace you need, all the joy you need, all the forgiveness you need, everything you need, and plenty to left to share with others. If there's one thing that I want you to know about passing the test today, it's this. What you do for God, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for you and everybody around you? You know, it's funny. People like that don't show up to church and I, and I see them. And, you know, many times people that don't come to church regularly, they're going through stuff. And I understand it. But I said, listen, this is the best place for you to be. But when I see them, they think that I'm going to come to them and say, you're bad because you don't come to church. You're like, what's the matter with you? Like I'm taking attendance or something. And I go, no. You not being here is hurting somebody else that is here. Because today was the day they needed you. Today was the day they needed you to pray for them or to encourage them or to love them or to give them $20 or to give their kid five bucks, whatever, whatever it is. You see, because God will provide all you need, but it's not for you only. It's for everybody around you. Amen? Let's just bow our heads right now. I want to make sure that everybody here knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've had almost 20 people give their heart to the Lord over the last two weeks. God is doing something here. I'm expecting more people to give their heart to Him. I want to ask you a direct question. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? If you died, are you 100% sure that you would spend eternity in heaven? If not, if you're not 100% sure, and you may have heard this before. 
Say the prayer today because your words, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. That's how powerful what you say from your mouth is. So say this prayer today, believe it, and your life will be totally changed. So say this prayer and say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sins. His blood covers my mistakes. Lord, I've made a lot of mistakes. I give them to you now. I receive your forgiveness through Jesus. You raised him from the dead. Raise me to a new life today. I pray in his name. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head bowed just for a second. You said that prayer and you meant it. It could be your second time, but that doesn't matter. If you really meant it today, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Come on. Okay. All right, every one of you that raise your hand, stand up real quick. Don't be afraid. Stand up. Just do it. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. Come on. Now walk up to the front real quick. Walk up to the front real quick. Just face me. Come on. Come on. Okay. Stay here, stay here. Come on. If everyone else would stand here with me right now, listen. This is all that matters right here. This is it. Nothing else matters. If you would just reach out your hand or your heart, whatever it might be, whatever you, whatever's how you pray, it doesn't really matter. We just want to pray for these people right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the decision they made today. Thank you that their life will never be the same. Thank you that you'll pour out a blessing upon them that will overflow in their hearts. Blessing of grace, which is your undeserved love. No matter what they've done or where they've been, that you love them. That you have a great plan for their life. You know the plans you have for them. Reveal it to them so that they can walk in it. We thank you for what they've done today in Jesus' name.